Hey, what's up, everybody? It is another episode of the Snipe and Sally podcast, FTF Media's guide to anything and everything happening on the ice. I'm your host, Mark, and I am joined once again by my awesome wine mates. We have the full crew here on Sunday, July 24th, uh, one episode prior to our finale before we take a little bit of a break for the off season. Uh, so I have Lauren Haley and Mike here today. What's up, everybody? What is going on? It's so hot. And I don't want to complain about being hot when we have Haley from Texas and Mike from California. But this heat makes me so sleepy. I can't, I'm not made for the heat. Yeah, seriously. I just got back from a work trip to Nashville. And that was even at like 1230, one in the morning, it was like super hot and sticky and humid. I was like, I, I was uh, sweating outside. And I thought like, okay, when I come back, at least it'll, you know, It'll be like regular Massachusetts summer. And then, no, they, I brought that weather back with me here to Mass. So I'm sorry, Lauren. Uh, Hales, Mike, how are you both doing this week? I think that it is currently the same temperature in Texas that it is in Massachusetts. If that makes y'all feel any better, it's no different. It's actually only going to be about 100 today where I'm at. So that's pretty decent for Texas. going to hit the pool uh, probably here in a couple hours. Just... Let the heat get a little better and then go. Yeah, I would absolutely love to submerge myself in the pool today. Th uh, thanks for, for, for depriving me of that, Hales. <laughs> Mike, how about yourself? Um, well, it's still morning here, but it's going to be 76 and sunny. So if anyone wants to come hang out in San Diego, uh, you're welcome. Mike always has to rub it in how like, yeah, it's, it's actually just really nice all year long here. And like, we don't have the extremes in either direction. Y'all brought it up. Y'all brought it up. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying you could, uh, you could just be like, Oh, Hey, that stinks. Uh, yeah. It's, it's okay here. Uh, but no, he's, he's got to, he's got to twist the knife just a little bit. Now we, we kid with, uh, with Mike, but it's, yeah, it's been a while since all four of us has been, have been on, uh, on together here. And obviously we uh, have been watching the NHL's off season start. We're going to cover a lot of that coming up here. So um, stay tuned over the next hour or so to hear our thoughts on what's been going on around the National Hockey League and the hockey world as a whole since the last time we all got together. And so without further delay, let's drop the puck for our opening face-off. And I want to start uh, right with Lauren for our opening face-off. Uh, again, it's been a couple of weeks since we last recorded. Lauren had a great weekend last weekend. I don't know if that's what she wants to touch on in her opening face-off or something else, but Lauren, the floor is yours. Yeah, my yeah, last weekend was my bachelorette weekend. And my bridesmaids did a really good job of making it everything I could have ever wanted. Um, it was really good just to get away and relax. But at this time, it is at 1.15. So I just want the Bruins to know, even though the school be dropped after 1.30, today would be a lovely day for a news dump regarding either Krejci and or Bergeron, since we have David Ortiz's Hall of Fame induction. You know, like 1.30, 1.32 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Great, great time for a Bruins news dump, if I do say so myself. Yeah, we would love to react to that mid-show. We definitely would. Um, and it's, it's been maddening as, a, as Bruins fans to see uh, the fact that the Bruins, it, 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 from all the insiders, everyone says, oh, yeah, it's, it's a done deal. Bergeron's uh, re-signing and, and David Craig is coming back. But until pen is to paper, I am just naturally going to remain nervous. Uh, and then the Bruins, they kind of twist the knife on social too. They wish uh, today on July 24th is Patrice Bergeron's birthday. They wish him happy birthday. I, I'm like, you, 
you bastards like this this would be a great day to announce that uh, that you've made his contract uh, to return to the team official but uh, we'll have to see when it uh, eventually comes in um mike how about yourself uh, any opening face off for you this episode yeah follow up on that i'm gonna wish a happy 37 to number 37 um oh captain my captain patrice bergeron turning 37 years old gonna he's gonna come back he's gonna play another season with the bruins and i'm just i'm just so psyched to be able to watch him for another year i mean again holding out hope that that is going to become official um but let's go let's do it love you love you captain yeah it would be uh, very poetic uh on his 37th birthday for number 37 to uh, officially return to the bruins i mean it's the last dance it really is um you know th- this bruins core has not had the success that the that 90s bulls team that the last dance was made about uh, had of course but uh it is the last dance you know with patrice bergeron's most likely signing a one-year deal has been rumored david krejci probably going to do the same they're obviously in their late 30s uh you know this is one last run uh and you know see what else uh, other moves don sweeney can make to you know bolster this group and give them a shot to you know to make that last run at a cup together so absolutely mike Hales, about yourself, any opening face-off for us? Uh, so I just want to complain a little bit about sports networks and women's sports not being very accessible to everybody because now this is soccer-related a little bit because that's just kind of the tournament I was just watching. But a USA national women's team versus a Canada women's national team in a final tournament game that gives somebody the olympic spot was you had to pay to watch you had to pay for paramount plus just to watch it which by the way i don't know about y'all if y'all have paramount plus or have watched it but it's got to be one of the worst streaming networks i've ever had because that thing freezes every five seconds and i missed about two minutes of the game because the whole program like shut down for a little bit and if that game would have come back with canada having scored i would have been so mad about that anyways well we'll sidetrack there but I just don't understand how some games we still can't can't be accessible to people, especially when they're more of a major game, you know, like how in women's hockey, really, it's just the Isabel Cup that's the most accessible. And I know that we're getting there, but I just wish that we could get there a little faster. Absolutely, Hills. I think it's a great point. In general, the shift in professional sports to streaming uh, has, has been gradual, but it's it starting to pick up steam to the point where they're just, you know, normal, like Sunday uh, MLB games that, you know, like you're in market and you actually can't watch it unless you have Peacock. Um, you know, there are, uh, you know, uh, Thursday night football is now going to be exclusively on Amazon Prime. Uh, now, these are services that I personally have because I'm an addict of, of uh, every streaming service, but there are not a lot of people who, you know, who have every streaming service or, or who have any. Uh, so it's a great point, Hales, that, you know, moving more and more sports specifically onto streaming, uh, it is going to make them not as accessible. And we covered how, uh, you know, the uh, PHF, uh, its deal with ESPN Plus made it much more accessible um, to people than it was before, but it's still, you know, th- there's still a level to, to get there uh, to, you know, to, uh, to make it more accessible. So, um, it is, it, it's a concern. It, it, it bears watching. I absolutely agree. Um, as for myself, my opening face off, I just want to remind Nazem Kadri uh, as we sit here at 1 18 PM 
on uh, July 24th. Sir, you are a free agent. I don't know if you know that. Uh, I think you're under the impression that you're still a member of the Colorado Avalanche. Maybe Joe Sackick has had you, uh, you know, uh, brainwashed. He, uh, you know, he, he has you tied up in a, in a room somewhere. Uh, we heard on July 13th when free agency opened that unlike everyone else who had their deals hammered out in seconds, no tampering here, that uh, Nazem Kadri was going to listen to pitches from teams. And that was the last update. It's now been 11 days and uh, he has not signed, whereas every other big ticket free agent has signed. Some actual restricted free agents have uh, engaged in sign-in trades, uh, which we'll certainly cover here. I'm excited to touch on uh, the trade that happened Friday night in the NHL. But yeah, Nazem, you can make your decision. I don't know if he's sitting there just like waiting for Colorado to clear enough cap space to re-sign. I don't know if that's uh, the waiting game. That certainly seems to be what uh, uh, Bergeron and Krejci are waiting for in Boston. But uh, NHL teams can exceed the salary cap during the offseason by 10%. So uh, $82.5 million salary cap. Teams can actually go um, upwards of $90 million uh, as long as they are uh, under compliance uh, by, uh, by opening night. Or if you're Tampa, you just, you know, play the long-term IR game. Uh, so, you know, you could technically, uh, you know, get this deal done now and then try and shed salary later, but I understand Joe Sackick's uh, caution there. Uh, so yeah, we'll just see where Nazem Kadri signs. And of course, uh, as Lord mentioned before with uh, uh, the potential Bergeron return, it's very possible that the news breaks while we're recording. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Would not be the first time that major news uh, broke while we were uh, in the middle of an episode. But like we recapped uh, and like we mentioned, there's been a lot that's happened since the last time we all got together. Uh, I would love to start with Mike first um, and, uh, and see what was on his plate uh, that he wanted to discuss uh, in, the, in the hockey world here this week. Well, it may be unsurprising, but the news has officially dropped that the Boston Pride are filling out their roster. And specifically, I was finally able to officially welcome my good friend, Allie Thunstrom, you know, we're obviously fantastic friends at this point, um, former PHF MVP to the three-time, two-time defending Boston Pride. Um, what a wagon that squad is going to be next season. Um, as we've talked about on the show a couple times, the rest of the league was sort of trolling them a little bit because they hadn't officially made any signings. Um, and it's, you know, it's the one chance that, you know, the whale and uh, the Whitecaps were able to sort of take some snipes at the Boston Pride. And now as they begin the Pride, the champs to announce their roster, um, it's over. It's over for the rest of the league, man. The Boston Pride uh, are going to be the, the going to uh, complete the three-peat this year. Ali Thunstrom, my MVP, and I'm just super excited to get this season underway. Yeah, I, I knew that that was what, what Mike wanted to talk about. It's been his most eagerly anticipated news. He was, uh, he was losing it in our uh, Snipe, and Shelly, uh, Snipe and Shelly group chat. Uh, I think that this must just be a, uh, this must be the case for Boston hockey in general this offseason is that uh, they have rumored signings, uh, you know, big news, and uh, they're making everyone wait an agonizing period of time uh, before making them official, as we just referenced with uh, Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci for the Bruins. But yeah, Ali Thunstrom, uh, you know, the, the thunderstorm is coming uh, to Boston. Uh, it's a, definitely a big pickup for the pride. Uh, as you mentioned, Mike, you know, back-to-back -back, uh, Isabel Cup champions, uh, you know, trying to uh, create a, a real dynasty for themselves uh, in the early goings of the, the PHF. Uh, obviously, we just had the Montreal franchise 
uh, officially announced. Uh, that was huge news uh, for the league as well. So as the league continues to, to grow, uh, salaries continue to uh, to, to grow uh, accordingly. Uh, it's a great time for uh, for a growing lead that's uh, that's becoming exceedingly popular. Um, so yeah, and I like what they're doing, kind of uh, revealing their their roster advent calendar style uh, on social. It's a a cool way to uh, to kind of build up the anticipation for fans. I absolutely agree, Mike. Lauren, now that the rumored news uh, is official with Ali Thunstrom, uh, you know what do you think this does for the, the pride? I mean it. They are already so experienced. They are, uh, they're, you know, they're a real wagon, as Mike put it. Uh, it, it looks like they're in a great, uh, you know, great shape to go three for three here. Yeah, they definitely, they have to be the favorites to win the, their third straight Isabel Cup. I think that Allie Thunstrom only furthers their, their want and their need for an, another Isabel Cup. And I, I love the way they're doing the signings in particular, the announcements, because I feel like advent calendars are so popular recently. And I think that's a way to get someone's attention or, you know, a casual fan, or maybe just someone kind of scrolling and they're like, what the heck is this? So they're getting creative and I wish more NHL teams would do something like this because all, I feel like most of the NHL socials are incredibly boring, but I'm super excited for the pride. I'm super excited for this season, especially. I wish they'd sign Mallory Soliotis. I don't know if that's not going to be the case this year. She's one of the best players or defenders in, in the in the league. But I'm super, like I said, I'm super excited for this next season. It's a great signing for the Pride, for the the PHF and the, the city of Boston because no professional men's sports team has won a championship since, what, 2018? So the Pride is just keeping it keeping it alive and well. So we, we don't get a, a serious championship drought. Exactly. Uh, very well stated, Lauren. And then maybe uh, the pride are making us wait an agonizing amount of time before, uh, to, before signing our pal Mal. Uh, maybe that's uh, maybe it's just the theme of the off season. Uh, good things come to those who wait an agonizing period of time. Um, and just yeah, another great point again on, how uh, you know this this league is utilizing social in a way that NHL teams just really aren't. Uh, you know, you don't want to go full Golden Knights because no one likes how cringeworthy they are on on social. Um, but you know, you want to strike a healthy balance, uh, and you want to have uh, you know content that fans are engaging with. Uh, you know, engagement is at an all time high on Twitter. Uh, you know, especially uh, you know the, the uh, with the recent updates. Uh, so you know, be, to be able to get people excited and and potentially find the team that way and suddenly they they're like what you know what's this okay i'm gonna tune in on espn plus okay this is a great product you know social is a great way to do that uh you know and a lot of nhl teams are just oh god they're, they're just so boring like i i love the bruins to death they are just so cookie cutter on social and it's just like hey here's uh this this cool video of uh charlie Coyle going back to weymouth and visiting his family like Okay, yeah, I mean, we know he's from Weymouth, and uh, I'm glad he loves his family. Uh, it's 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 not going to get get me to engage with you though. Uh, you know, if you roast me, uh, like if I say, "Hey guys, why haven't you uh, made these deals uh, official yet?" and uh, and you know they, they kind of roast me or something, you know that's cool. So uh, I definitely think NHL teams can uh, take an example from how you know how uh, PHF teams are doing things right now. And again, just don't go full Golden Knights because uh, people already hated their social. Now people actually hate the Golden Knights as a whole uh, and are preying on their downfall. So uh, yeah, just never go full Golden Knights. 
Uh, Hales, to round uh, things out here, uh, you know, the addition of Ali Thunstrom to the pride, the way that uh, it's been covered on social, you know, what's really stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, it's been really exciting. I definitely have been going back to their Twitter page every day, just trying to see what news that Boston Pride is putting out. So I think it's it's definitely a great strategy because it makes you want to know what's going on. It makes you want to look at it every day. Uh, I've been obviously retweeting them because I love the Pride and I want everybody to see the news. Really excited about Ali. I think that, you know, the Pride in general would have been my favorite to get a third anyway, but then you add in that talent and it's just going to be really fun to watch. And their, their clapbacks on social media are some of my favorites, even when it has nothing to do with like the Isabel cup or anything. They're just like, Oh really? Well, look at this, you know, and they're just always funny. So I agree where there's a really good line to have in the sand when it comes to your, your social media and your clapbacks and kind of, how you interact, but I think Boston Pride is like where people should be looking at, or just that league in general, the PHF. Look at those teams and kind of see where they're at, and that's the type of social that we're enjoying. We like that content, so other teams can look to uh, women's hockey to help help out their social media teams. Yeah, absolutely, and and to a degree, I understand that they. It's also kind of a necessity for these teams as well because they are trying to promote themselves. They are trying to to you know higher their engagement. But you know, I, I one of my favorite examples in in business of you know just kind of taking your status for granted is Blockbuster. I did a case study on Blockbuster when I was uh, in grad school, and you don't want to Blockbuster yourselves. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to just say, okay, well, you know, we don't have to kind of go the uh, the extra mile for for promotion. Um, because, uh, you know, we were established brand. Yeah, well, you know, then a Netflix can come up and completely torpedo you. Now, are the Boston Bruins going to fold and, uh, and you know, go out of existence because they have lame social media? No, but you understand my point. Uh, you know, uh, and, uh, PHF teams are going uh, to the, the extra mile here to establish a fan base. And, you know, that that's great stuff. And, and the usually if there's a Boston pride tweet, I'm actually seeing it first because Haley has retweeted it. So uh, yeah, if, you know, if people are engaging with content uh, it's going to be more likely to be picked up. Uh, and I, I just think it's, it's a great strategy. So uh, absolutely Hales. I, I, I really agree. So yeah, we're, we're all pulling for, uh, for the pride. Uh, this is definitely a biased podcast in terms of our PHF coverage. Uh, don't get it twisted. Uh, we try to remain as impartial as we want. Uh, despite our, uh, our our Bruins affinity uh, on on this show, but uh, we are not very uh, impartial uh, when it comes to uh, the PHF. I do worry when the PHF inevitably expands into the Texas market, what that could do to uh, to Haley's allegiance. Uh, you know, uh, it could be uh, yeah, th- that could be a difficult dilemma. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I will never leave the pride. I'm still a Patriots fan living in Texas. And that is not easy. So I won't leave the pride. I promise. You heard it here first. It's breaking news, folks. <laughs> uh, Lauren, I'd love to jump over to you to, uh, to hear what uh, was on your mind this week, uh, what topic you wanted to address. So unfortunately, my topic isn't uh, a fun one by any means. This whole Hockey Canada um, investigation and all these allegations are disturbing, to say the least, and even more came out this last week uh, from 2003 and big shout out to, to Rick Westhead and Katie Strang who are just absolutely 
doing the most for this coverage and just really getting to the bottom of it. And as terrible as these details are, they're reporting them, I think, in a very, a very direct way. And they're not holding like there's no it's it's all like details. It's all the, the facts or the alleged facts and of what happened during these these times. And you know, you think back to 2003, that's almost 20 years ago. And some of these players who were involved in this were probably players that we loved growing up or either hated growing up for whatever reason. And I think it just goes to show that this whole hockey is for everyone and this this whole hockey culture that we talk about and how ugly it can be, this isn't new. It's been going on for a long time. And I think that unfortunately, this isn't going to be the last we hear of it. I think there will be more. Maybe that predates 2003, but I, I don't think this is the end of it. But I do think that as terrible as these allegations are, that we need to talk about it because these these are professional athletes, like I said, that we loved growing up, maybe we idolized growing up. And it needs to be talked about because these are said serious allegations. And it just shows that hockey culture has not changed over the course of so many years. And it won't change until stuff like this can be fully talked about, be fully investigated, and people can be comfortable in, in a hockey world. Um, you know, I know that it's not, it's very uncomfortable reporting, but I think Rick and Katie have just done incredible work, not just with the Hockey Canada, but the Chicago Blackhawks stuff as well. They've just done a really, really good job. And not that anyone wants to read these kinds of things, but if you do want to, you you have to check out Rick and Katie's work because that's where you're going to get the the details on something that's just incredibly disturbing. Yeah, very well said, Lauren. And an important thing for us to, to cover on the show, it's just an unfortunate pattern that we continue every you know handful of episodes to revisit some sort of instance of intolerance in hockey or, uh, or violence in hockey or uh, you know, sexual violence um, against both men and women in hockey. And the culture is not going away. And like you said, yeah, shout out to, uh, to Katie and, and Rick. And, and Rick Westhead is, at this point, he is the grim reaper for, for hockey culture. Uh, you know, he, uh, he absolutely uh, you know, nailed that uh, Chicago Blackhawks story. Um, he's doing the same here with Hockey Canada. If you have skeletons in your closet, and an unfortunate reality is that pretty much every organization seems to at this point, Rick Westhead is going to find out about it as well as Katie Strang. So uh, yeah, it's it's just so unfortunate. And what the first thing that that came to my mind, um, and we uh, like Lauren mentioned, if you want to read uh, the, the the very disturbing allegations of the 2003 and 2018 uh, sexual assault um, uh, instances within uh, you know, Hockey Canada, um, please do. Uh, it, it, they are graphic and we, we aren't gonna share the details um, on this episode for that reason. But um, what really uh, jumped to my mind first is that this, the Chicago Blackhawks allegations first popped up about 15, 16 months ago. Um, and the story you know, obviously continued to develop to the point where uh, you know we then find Kyle Beach's identity, and uh, we you know we hear about the settlement, and and it came to a uh, you know some closure for um, you know for uh, the victims. Now, Hockey Canada did not say at that time, "Hey, there's some stuff that happened within our organization." Uh, you know, we think it's important in light of this Blackhawks uh, scandal to 
uh, to announce that we're conducting a full investigation. And, uh, you know, we, we want to, to hold people accountable and we want closure for the victims. No, no, no. They sat by and did nothing. They sat by and did nothing until this story was unearthed. And that is the biggest indicator to me that the culture is not changing. You can, you know, you can say, uh, you know, oh, my God, we, our hearts go out to the victims. We feel awful. But if you stand by and do nothing, when you at least have a suspicion that, uh, that, that there were uh, some incidents that, uh, that either were unaddressed or were blatantly covered up within your organization, then you didn't learn anything. You didn't learn anything whatsoever. You're just hoping that some very shrewd, very resourceful reporter doesn't come and, and, and dig that up and, make, and, and then force you to, uh, to face the consequences of your actions. And that's what really kills me. Obviously, um, in addition to what happened uh, you know, to, to these victims, it's, it's just so disappointing that we're just making no progress here. And we're going to be saying the same thing uh, a few months from now, or a year from now, or five years from now, because it does not look like people who are in power are actually going to, to take any action to make sure that instances like this don't happen again. And people cannot, uh, you know, force undue influence, um, you know, and, you know, exert a, a power imbalance on victims. Uh, you know, I, I personally am in the process of becoming certified by USA Hockey to, uh, to coach youth hockey this season. And the amount of training that we undergo is extensive. Um, and we are taught about uh, abuse and power imbalance, or I should say we are reminded of and given clear definitions of these things to ensure that, uh, that you know, all coaches ensure that, uh, that uh, even if they're not uh, engaging in any sort of, uh, you know, illicit activity that they're able to properly report and prevent said activity. Why is it, why is all this training being given and then instances still happening? It is just so, so sickening. And uh, it's just, it, it's depressing. It really is. Uh, to add to that you bring up like how things will never change and there's like no accountability. And with the whole Jake Furtanen thing also happening last week, the, the alleged victim said that you know, she was asked, why didn't you just make up an excuse to not engage in sexual activity with Jake Bertanen? And she said something from the lines of, I thought no should be enough. And again, it's like, it should be. We shouldn't have to sit here and sympathize that this woman should, should have sat there and be like, oh yeah, she should have thought of an excuse when she said no. And no is a complete sentence. And again, it's just, there's not, it gives me no hope that there's going to be change because of stuff like that. People in power telling a young woman you should have made up an excuse because that definitely would have changed the whole scenario, right? Like that definitely would have said, Jake Rutana would have been like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Cause you said no. So uh, now she said that, oh, she doesn't feel good. So, okay. But yeah, that's definitely going to stop not just him or allegedly him, but stop anyone. So it's, it's so frustrating just to see this kind of behavior from people in power and people who can help victims and survivors. And they're just like, well, why didn't you do this? Yeah, absolutely, Lauren. It's just another way to pass the buck onto victims and victim blame. Even if you're not uh, specifically saying, well, what was she wearing? Uh, you're saying, oh, well, you know, uh, how come uh, you know, this uh, or you know, X, Y, and Z didn't happen to prevent this? No, uh, if you say no, uh, that should be enough. Or in general, if there is not informed consent or it, like, it just, it is so, so unbelievably frustrating to continue to have these conversations. Uh, Mike, I'd love to hear uh, what your thoughts are 
on uh, what, what has been a developing scandal from uh, 19 and now uh, four years ago. Right. So uh, first of all, I just want to sort of piggyback on the last thing that Lauren said. And it's, it's more than just no means no these days. It's, which obviously is very, very true, but like consent is active, affirmative, honest, conscious, voluntary, sober, and ongoing. Okay. It, it can be revoked at any time. It needs to be as Mark, as you said, it needs to be informed. And so we've passed, you know, no means no, and it's only yes means yes. Okay. And to each and everything, it is ongoing. My mistake in this situation that I thought I've learned from, but clearly I haven't, um, is I think you and Lauren did a great job talking about those in power and the, the organizations and systems that protect this type of behavior. So I'm going to talk directly to the fans, the listeners. Um, I know our listeners are probably all fantastic people who aren't the ones doing this, but I read the comments and I try to never read the comments on, on articles like this. And the amount of people who are in there just standing up and like defending this type of behavior, not in a way where it's like, oh, you know, obviously it's okay to be um, abusive or, you know, sexually or otherwise, but just the everyone with the, the due process arguments and the innocent until proven guilty arguments and the, well, they consented to some things or they were, they should have known what was going to happen. Just stop. Just, you don't need to be the keyboard warrior out there defending the powerful in a situation of abuse. If you want to sit back and wait until all the facts come out, cool. Don't go out there and show survivors across the world that you can't be trusted because you're always going to just hide behind this due process argument. Now, again, I'm a, I'm a criminal defense attorney, all right? I understand innocent until proven guilty, presumption of innocence, due process. It's what I do every day, okay? That's a different standard in a criminal situation, a criminal court, than it is in an internal investigation into legitimate claims of sexual assault. Okay, these, what this does, people say, well, why didn't people, why didn't the, the women come forward earlier? Why didn't any uh, survivor come forward earlier? This is why, because when they do, the first thing that they read, the very first comment is, oh, they must be lying or, oh, let's believe the, you know, the accused until it's been proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Again, criminal standard, different than society, different than internal investigations, different than should this person still be in a position of power. All right. So just stop doing that. If you want to sit back and wait for all the facts to unfold, cool, you should, but we need to start believing survivors and we need to not continue to re-victimize them and re-traumatize them with our flippant comments on Twitter and Facebook and all over the world. Cut it out. Yeah, I very, uh, very well said. Excellent mic drop there uh, from Mike. Uh, one of the things that we pick up on, uh, again, in the training that, that I'm doing currently, it's just a it, it's coincidental that I just completed these safe sport modules and, and these are the type of things that are covered. And one of the things that they really hammer home is that the, the number of victims, either uh, you know, underage or, uh, you know, or of the age of consent, who 
make up a, uh, an allegation is minuscule. We are talking less than 1%. Uh, so these keyboard warriors, as Mike points out, it says, oh, well, you know, uh, they're probably making it up innocent until proven guilty. If a complaint has been filed, there is a almost certainty that at the very least, something that made someone feel very uncomfortable went on, if not something that, that genuinely endangered someone uh, uh, you know, or, or you know, to the degree of sexual assault. So people are not making things up willy-nilly, all right? Misconduct is happening here. And you know, look as, uh, as, you know, to the National Football League, where we're currently awaiting to hear uh, the suspension for Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, that's a very uh, well-covered uh, incident. Uh, obviously, several uh, you know, civil suits uh, you know, that have been filed, many of which have now been settled. But the odds of 30 different women making up stories that are graphically similar. I mean, if you are, if you are that desperate to watch Deshaun Watson play football, that you're going to do those mental gymnastics, that's a you problem. It really is. It, it really is a you problem. We really need to stop assuming that victims are in for some sort of cash grab right away. And like Mike, I struggle to, to control the impulse to not read the comments because uh, it, it's like, uh, you know, there, there, there's, it's behind the door. I know it's going to be bad. Uh, you know, I know when you open up the container of spoiled food, it's going to smell nasty, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, uh, we can't help it. And the comments are always just so depressing. And it just, it, it really shows that not only is hockey culture um, and sports culture not evolving, but humanity in general does not seem to be evolving. If the, our first instinct is to say, oh, well, you know, this, the, this uh, you, you got to wait to let this process play out. Like Mike just described, different standards. Uh, Hales, I'd love to get your input on, uh, on this subject as well. I'm going to try not to drop a whole lot of F-bombs here um, because of how mad I am, but having this conversation over and over, why would a survivor want to lie about it and then be drugged through all of these things over and over, all these questions being asked to them? Well, you said no, but what else did you say? What were you wearing? Were you drinking? How many partners have you had in the past going through a sexual assault exam that will re-victimize them? Why would anybody deliberately choose to do that in a lie? Does it happen? Yes. I work in a job where I see quite a few of them in a year, but like Mark said, that is not the majority. That is the minority. And honestly, the, min the majority is people who aren't reporting what happened because they don't want to go through this. And so that's why you end up seeing years and years go by before somebody does make the report because they're finally in a place mentally and physically where they can tell their story and hopefully make it through without going back to where they were that day. And it just, it baffles me that, you know, we're after the Chicago incident and how it was handled that any organization wouldn't immediately jump to take action and show fans, viewers, other players, anybody, that they mean business, but at the same time, again, somebody who works in law enforcement, I just watched somebody who, like, I mean, I can, I can talk about the story because it's over now, but I don't want to be too graphic. So who propositioned a minor for something who got off of, because the indictment was written wrong. 
And it's things like that that are just so frustrating because this person definitely did it, admitted to it in interviews, admitted to it in controlled phone calls with the children, told them to lie to the police. And he's not in prison and he won't be going to prison for it unless he does it again. And the people who wrote the indictment don't mess it up this time. So I'm not, you know, we're not just seeing it in sports. We're seeing it in everything, you know, but sports and Hollywood and all that, we have a a bigger platform and we see more of it. And, And it would be nice to see them do better because that could bleed down, right? Like they're the ones in power. And before I go too far into my rant here, because obviously all of it is just fucked up. All of it. It's just horrible. It makes me literally hate these types of organizations. Like I wish that the Blackhawks just continue to do horrible every year because of their situation. Um, and I, I just want to take a moment to say that for like Kyle Beach and other survivors to just say thank you for coming out and, and reporting these situations because because you're doing it you're helping the others be able to come out and do it I feel like with these survivors in the hot in the Canada situation probably saw the Kyle Beach come out and be strong and do what he needed to do to show that the culture is still horrible and said you know what I feel like I can do that too and so we need survivors to be strong and to come out and to stand together And so I have a little bit of hope with that, with seeing it starting to like be more, it sucks. You don't want to see it, especially because you're like, you, you hope that it's not happening, but trust me, if you're, if you're listening to this, you, somebody, you know, at least one has been through it and they probably haven't told you. And if you're one of those keyboard warriors commenting about how, um, we should wait and all that, they'll never tell you because you can never be trusted to know that. And so, I mean, just look around you and and it's not just women, it's men being abused too. So just look around you. And there is probably at least one, if not upwards of like five in your close immediate circle who have probably been through it. So just remember that when you're talking about it, tweeting about it, any of that things, and maybe be a voice for the survivors if they can't have one. Very eloquently stated, Haley. Uh, I think that sums up the thoughts of our entire panel um, and to take it a step further, if you're, you know, a, a football fan or a Cleveland Browns fan and, you know, your first reaction when you eventually hear the, the length of his suspension, which is again, related to his conduct uh, under the NFL's personal conduct policy, not necessarily what he did. Um, your first reaction should not be let's go only six games. Let's go only eight games. You have some sensitivity for, uh, for the women who very bravely, uh, went through something, um, as, as Haley uh, mentioned here, you know, survivors being brave and, uh, and holding, uh, you know, the system accountable. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just so, so, so discouraging. Um, before I go right back over to Haley to see uh, what she, uh, you know, uh, had, uh, has for us this week, uh, Lauren, since you did bring uh, this topic up, I wanted to see if you had any, any final thoughts that you wanted to share. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point with the, like the Sean Watson thing where, his suspension likely is going to be minimal, which is a reflection of just how terrible the NFL is. But we know how bad the NFL is when it comes to allegations and domestic violence and things of this nature. Um, you know, it's 
it goes back to being the keyboard warrior. Like you can sit there and say like, oh, let's go. Told you he was innocent. Just because he gets whatever suspension he gets doesn't mean he didn't do anything. I don't think 30 women, 25 plus women, however many it was, just sits, gets together and like, let's make up a story to bring down Deshaun Watson and try to ruin his career. Um, I don't think that's what's happening here. And I think it's obvious when you have these similar stories and sure, of course, we all want the facts, but it's not about being like, oh, Deshaun Watson's innocent. We know he's not. Um, he's very, he's creep, but there's meaner things I could say about him, but I won't. But when you do make those comments, like the, oh, let's go, or like, um, don't believe all, all victims, don't believe everything you hear, blah, blah, blah. You, Haley said it, like, you know someone who's been through it, whether it's them personally or somebody they know that's close to them, but then you're eliminating the safe space for your friends to go to you, to talk to you about something ha serious happened to them, whether it's God forbid sexual assault or something serious, you are taking away their safe space for you, whether that's your friends, your daughters, your children. Um, you just need to set that example of providing that safe space for people to come to you. Because I know if I saw any of my friends say anything like that, uh, they wouldn't be my friend anymore, but I would know that I can't trust them to go to, to them in a serious situation. So those keyboard warriors, you're not just some tough guy, you are eliminating specific safe places for your friends to go to and you are eliminating and breaching their trust for you so it goes beyond just you know being that keyboard warrior you're just being a shitty person yeah very well said lauren and, and just in general uh even if they are not necessarily your 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 friends you know your actions your words have a, you know they they have repercussions and you know god forbid someone uh who has thought about uh you know going public uh with uh, with abuse that happened to them you know if they are a victim and they see the reaction to the deshaun watson news and they see people uh you know being so you know just so callously uh you know indifferent uh by it that could potentially cause them to not uh, come forward with uh, with their abuse because they they just believe no one's going to believe them either so you know your actions absolutely um have uh have consequences um, we are going to go over to, to Haley to, to see uh, you know, what uh, she brought to the table this week, but she also had one more thought to add uh, as it relates to the USA-Canada uh, incident. Yeah, uh, I just want to discuss Canada, the workplace. My apologies. Yeah, I just want um, to discuss the workplace a little bit. So I, I actually had to go to my superior and make a complaint recently about um, jokes that were made in front of my employee because I am now a supervisor. Uh, that I have heard in the past four years of being an employee and not a supervisor. But in this case, you know, I, I'm in charge of that person. And if she feels uncomfortable, then I have to be the one to bring it to the table. But these jokes were jokes about a sexual assault case. And it's never funny. If there's never an appropriate time to make a joke about sexual assault in general. And listen, in my field, sometimes people make bad jokes about certain cases to deal with their trauma. But again, sexual assault is never that one. That's never the case that you joke about. Um, and in this case, it wasn't that it wasn't dealing with trauma. So it was just the person. But we as people, so like me, 
you know, I, I dealt with it for four years. I should have spoken up sooner, but now being the supervisor, I felt like I had more of a voice to speak up, but that's not necessarily true. Like, even if you're not in a position of power, you should speak up at work. If you hear jokes or inappropriate comments or something that makes you uncomfortable, like just because, you know, we might not, you might not be making national news or whatever. doesn't mean that you shouldn't bring it up. So I hope that we can all feel comfortable in our workplace and that, you know, you, you can bring it up without fear of retaliation or anything like that. Or if you can anonymously bring it up that way, that there can't be any retaliation. I just, my hope for the future is that with these cases that we're seeing on a national level, we can get to a point where people can feel more comfortable at work because this is not just a sports thing. This is an everywhere, every workplace thing. And we just need to be more aware of what's going on around us and speak up for those who can't basically um, as for my topic to bring a little fun into the topic I'm going to make fun of my flyers like I always do but I just I obviously don't follow off season as much trades as much we know this from every if you're one of our beautiful listeners who listens all the time or if you're brand new now you're going to learn and you will hear from now on how terrible I am with trades and off season. Um, so I don't really know. I would love to hear from my classmates how the fly they feel like the flyers did necessarily so far, but I just wanted to bring up that my grandfather and my uncle think that they're tanking um, at least this year, not necessarily next year. I couldn't get a read on if they liked the coach or not. We've already discussed that in previous episodes, so I'm not going to go too much into the new coach and how much we we aren't too happy about that but just um as for the players they picked up if y'all think that they might potentially be tanking or not and if they are oh well what i mean basically tanked last year too and they weren't trying to so it will be a normal season for me if they're tanking i am happy happy for oscar Lindblom. i hope i say his name right who beat cancer he did get assigned with a different team I hope the best for him I really do hope that he does great on that the new team you know I'd love to see him stay with the Flyers but honestly has a better chance without them yeah listen Hales uh, to put it mildly your Flyers are a dumpster fire on steroids um, this this has been a very unique offseason for Philadelphia. And for anyone who hasn't followed it closely, really it started as recent as uh, when they were undergoing their coaching search. Um, so ultimately the Flyers did settle on John Tortorella to be their head coach. They hired a search firm uh, to, uh, to, to come up with the, their head coach, which this is not the first time this has happened in pro sports, but I think this is the dumbest thing an organization can do is to hire a search firm uh, you know, for, for a situation like this. Like, what if you need other people who do not work for your organization to come in and, uh, and assess what you, you believe your needs are and then make the choice for you, you might not be equipped for the position that you're in. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, however, the search firm and uh, the, the team's general manager, Chuck Fletcher, disagreed over, uh, over who the, the coach should be. And ultimately, uh, general manager did not get his pick. He did not want to hire John Tortorella. The search firm did. And John Tortorella is the Flyers head coach. 
On top of that, there was uh, a lot of speculation that uh, you know, one of the top free agents um, you know, in, the, in the game, uh, Johnny Hockey, Johnny Goodrow, was going to sign with the Flyers. It seemed like it was out there, like, hey, he's from uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the Jersey, uh, kind of South Philly hybrid area. Um, it seems like the Devils and the Flyers are, are his preferred destinations. He, you know, it became very obvious he was not going to resign in Calgary. And the Flyers, rather than, than clear the amount of cap space to make a play for Johnny Gaudreau, they decide that they're going to throw money at Tony D'Angelo. And not only are they going to throw money at Tony D'Angelo, they're going to give up multiple draft picks just to, to sign Tony D'Angelo, who does not make them any better. Uh, now, were they one piece? Were they Johnny Hockey away from being a cup contender? No, but it would be a start. And instead, they were never really in the ballpark for Johnny Gaudreau because they couldn't compete. And did anyone see Johnny Gaudreau signing in Columbus? Uh, hell no. No, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um, once I started to kind of read about the issues the Flyers were having clearing space. I thought that he was New Jersey bound. I thought that was kind of a done deal. And then out of nowhere, he signs with Columbus Blue Jackets. But that was someone who was begging to come play for the Philadelphia Flyers. And they are so mismanaged at the moment that they couldn't, uh, they, they couldn't make that happen. So Haley, I don't believe they are tanking because tanking, while, you know, it can be immoral, at least is a definitive strategy. We are going to put a subpar product on the, the field, on the court, on the ice. And, uh, you know, we're going to lose games to improve our draft position uh, to then, uh, you know, be able to, uh, to go out and, and in short order, put together a winner. You know, uh, we're, we're going to clear uh, bad salaries off our books um, and, uh, and be able to, uh, you know, obtain some assets to then, uh, you know, continue to make trades for good players. They're not doing that. They're, they are spending money unwisely they're putting together what is not that great of a product but uh, also uh, players who they aren't going to be able to easily get rid of uh, they refused to move James Van Riemsdyk to clear a cap space for Johnny Gaudreau because they uh, they thought they weren't getting a good enough return when the intention was to salary dump him that was the intent not to win the trade but Fletcher decided that he uh, you know he couldn't make a, a deal there and he lost Johnny Gaudreau as a result I think that there is just utter management failure in Philadelphia. And that's not easy to, uh, to solve unless you just clean house. Um, so maybe a house cleaning comes soon in Philadelphia. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, Lauren, I'd love to, uh, to get your input on what's happening in Philadelphia at the moment. Man, like, I don't even know what, what to say. If you have the opportunity to sign somebody like Johnny Gaudreau, I feel like you do whatever you do, you have to do to sign him um close you know close to home it was like the perfect fit and ultimately I don't think anyone saw him choosing the path that he did but good for him for doing what was best for him but I just felt like the Flyers were close like you said they're not one player away from being a cup contender but they were close and Goudreau would have made them closer and now I feel like they've taken 10 steps back of trying to be competitive and they're not they're not a, they're not supposed to be this this bad are they i mean maybe it maybe they are i don't know but i just feel like they're making the the wrong set of moves if they want to be a cup contender they had the opportunity to have a really really good off season and maybe it looked to be going that way unfortunately you know tony d'angelo we've talked touched on him so much 
John Tortorella does have a proven track record of success. So you're like, okay, maybe this will be the, uh, not the best choice, but maybe is a solid choice to kind of turn this franchise around, or maybe he'll tank the franchise. I'm sure we'll find out sooner rather than later, but you had the opportunity. It was right there. You've had not just with Gaudreau, but with several others and the moves that you've made in this whole off season. I'm like, I'm sitting here like, I know the Bru- I, the Bruins aren't doing much, but it's the Flyers just leave me like wanting to pull my hair out. And it's just, it's baffling because you have the moves right in front of you and you're making, it's like you you can go left and you're like, oh, let's go right. Cause maybe it's a shortcut. And you just end up on a dirt road somewhere broken down. It's mind boggling. I don't, I don't understand. And I feel for their fans because I feel like Flyers fans are, are, are very loyal to their team. And they're kind of like Red Wings fans where they're just, they'll go through hell and they are loyal as hell to, to their team. And it's like the Flyers are like, well, we know that. So we're going to do everything we possibly can to piss everyone off. I don't know. It's, I'm curious to see what the rest of the offseason holds for them. And I don't, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but uh, buckle up, Flyers fans, because it's going to be a hell of an emotional roller coaster between now and probably for the rest of the season. Yeah. Very well stated, Lauren. I mean, maybe the search firm was in charge of, uh, of bringing in Tony D'Angelo as well. Maybe that was uh, what happened there. I mean, just in general, you're paying Rasmus Ristolainen and uh, Tony D'Angelo a combined, you know, 10, 10 and a half million dollars to provide you offensive output from the blue line, but be absolutely horrendous defensively when you could have just spent all that money on Johnny Gaudreau instead and, and replaced Ristolainen and uh, D'Angelo with just replacement level defensemen and probably been a better team. Uh, you know, just, just that alone uh, would have been an improvement. Um, but also in, in general, at the draft, I, I specifically was, uh, I saw on NHL Network, Danny Briere, who recently joined the, uh, the Flyers front office after playing for them for a number of years, uh, get on with the panel and say, hey, we're trying to build a great culture here. This was mere hours after they traded uh, you know, for uh, the rights to Tony D'Angelo and then signed them. I mean, you want to say you're trying to build a great culture and then you bring in someone who at the very least was a locker room issue. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a concern uh, what's going on in Philly at the moment. Uh, I really do believe that, uh, that it's, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Um, but like Lauren pointed out, this is a fan base that, uh, that is loyal. And as Haley uh, has pointed out, maybe a little bit too loyal. Uh, they're certainly passionate and they will let management know uh very aggressively uh, that they're not pleased. So we'll have to see what happens because especially with John Tortorella in the mix, if things get bad, that could be like a match and a tank of gasoline. Uh, it really could. Mike, uh, any, uh, any thoughts from you on what's going on in Philly? Yeah, I love it. Um, the flyers really turned into the skid, um, not in tanking, but in let's just make this team as hateable as possible. You know, they could have got, a coach who people like they could have got a world-class player like Johnny Gaudreau. And instead they got John Tortorella and Tony D'Angelo. So it's, it's good as, for as a Bruins fan to be able to really hate the flyers. And they've just been so pitiful the last couple of years that it hasn't been as, as fun and exciting, but um, I'm going to enjoy hating this team this year. Um, they're not going to be good, but at least, I can just laugh at Tony D floundering at the bottom of, of the division. 
because fuck that guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, like, like I said, they could have made a, a strong turn and got likable, fantastic hockey players. And instead, instead they, uh, swallowed the ESPN line of, Oh, um, redemption tour for Tony D he's going to get paid in the off season. And they're like, we're the guys who are going to do that. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. Why not go after, you know, why go after Johnny Gaudreau when you could get Tony D'Angelo to play zero defense for you, uh, but have, you know, a few nice assists throughout the course of the season. So good for you, Philadelphia. Haley, there's always room on the Bruins bandwagon if you want it. Yeah. Uh, agreed Hales at any time. Uh, and, and cause again, it wasn't just they signed Tony D'Angelo, which again, adding him in general uh, is a bad culture fit, but at least in the case of Carolina last year, they said, okay, everyone knows why he's available. He's, uh, you know, he's available for nothing. We can sign him to a minimum contract and, you know, we'll see what happens. And then, you know, perhaps uh, we can trade his rights, uh, you know, when, uh, when this deal expires, because he'll be an RFA. That's what they ended up doing. Uh, so, you know, they dealt with it for a year and, and they got several draft picks for him. In the case of Philly, you gave up draft picks, valuable draft picks to then turn around and, and, and sign this guy. I mean, that's just horrendous asset management. And uh, the buyout of Oscar Lindblom, who Haley mentioned, you know, he, he has uh, signed on with the Sharks. He'll get a good opportunity there. Good for him. But talk about just like, even though they weren't, uh, you know, relate, directly interlinked moves, you sign Tony D'Angelo, who uh, has had a very negative impact on teams. And then you buy out a feel-good story in Oscar Lindblom with the whole Oscar Strong uh, situation, his recovery from cancer. That's not the type of vibe you want to put out there. Again, if you're Danny Briere saying, oh, yeah, we're trying to build a great culture here. No, nah, you're, you're certainly not doing that uh, at the very least. So we'll have to see what happens uh, with Philly this season. Methinks it's going to go uh, pretty badly. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see how long John Tortorella, someone who's very used to winning um, at the highest level, uh, how long he can put up with, uh, with what could be a subpar situation. So we'll see what happens in Philly. Our last topic before we start to kind of uh, wind things down for uh, this episode, uh, I'll go over to myself. And obviously there has been over the last uh, you know, week and a half, uh, a lot of moves, uh, free agency uh, signings, trades. And in particular, we, uh, we, now in all full disclosure, we were supposed to uh, record uh, um, two nights ago on Friday and uh, we, we moved things around, um, and, uh, and this ended up being a better time for us all. And because we did that, the trade gods, the hockey gods, rewarded us. Because shortly after we would have recorded, we got the blockbuster deal between the Florida Panthers and the Calgary Flames. It had been reported a couple days prior that Matthew Kachuk, who was a restricted free agent, uh, that he was not going to re-sign in Calgary off the heels of Johnny Goodrow also saying, hey, I'm not going to resign in Calgary. Uh, I know they had an arena deal fall through recently um, uh, that they were going to replace the Saddle Dome with. Uh, um, so right now, it looks like there's a bit of a, an exodus going on in Calgary. And the prevailing wisdom was going to be, okay, well, Matthew Kachuk, uh, son of Keith Kachuk, longtime St. Louis Blue, he grew up in St. Louis, that has to be where he's going, right? Vladimir Tarasenko wants a trade. You can swing that and make the money work. Like that's got to be where he's going to end up. That's got to be where he wants to play. Instead, Friday night, we, we hear that Matthew Kachuk is traded to the Florida Panthers, which that was the, that was the initial bomb from, uh, from Frank, Frank Sarah Valley. It was, oh, wow. Okay, Matthew Kachuk went to Florida. Okay, what's the compensation going to be? Because to just sign 
a free agent, a restricted free agent uh, of that stature to an offer sheet is going to take multiple firsts and multiple seconds. That's just the rules. Um, unless, unless you trade for them, in which case you can make the compensation difference. So, okay, what did Florida do to outbid the other suitors? Because there certainly were plenty. Oh, did they outbid the other suitors? They decide to include uh, a, a singular first round pick, a prospect, and then defenseman Mackenzie Weger, who uh, is an you know, excellent puck moving defenseman, and then 115 point scorer and captain Jonathan Huberdeau. They traded Jonathan Huberdeau uh, and Mackenzie Weger and a first round pick and a prospect for Matthew Kachuk, who is the best player in the trade. Let, let, let's uh, let's get that out of the way. Uh, you know, the, the Flames, or I'm sorry, the Panthers did get the best player in the deal. But it's very difficult to get the best player in a trade and then get viscerally roasted on social media uh, uh, for doing so. And that is what happened. As soon as people saw the compensation, it went from, wow, uh, you know, uh, the Atlantic division is really beefing up to, oh my God, what a massive overpay. And then you had the people saying, well, you know, maybe Uyghur and um, Huberdeau both said that they wouldn't, uh, you know, re-sign there. Turns out uh, Jonathan Huberdeau never got a contract proposal from the Panthers. So that excuse already out the window. They never even tried to re-sign someone who has grown up there and been such an impact player for them. Again, you got Matthew Kachuk, but through the sum of the parts here, if you're Florida, you didn't get any better. I'm sorry, you didn't. Just based on production alone, uh, as it stands right now, uh, Kachuk and, uh, and, and Huberto are you know, equivalent players in terms of their production. You lost a key piece in your blue line. You gave up a first-round pick and, and a promising prospect. In terms of the sum of the parts, you really didn't get any better. Now, you are set up well for the future, of course, but I just I can't believe that, uh, that they were that desperate to get Kachuk that they, they moved – uh, you know, I would much rather, you know, overpay the amount of firsts like, hey, let's give up more draft picks. And I know that they are uh, they do have a shortage of first round picks coming up. But I mean, my God, this just seems like an overpay. This seems like a deal that maybe you shouldn't have made because it doesn't exactly make, make you, uh, you know, better in the immediate uh, time frame. And, you know, windows are short in the National Hockey League. Uh, you know, there's no guarantee that Tampa after these last three years are, uh, you know, they're starting to lose uh, more core pieces. They might not be back. That's, that's three years where you were kind of top of the mountain. It's over. So, you know, you want to go all in. You want to add Kachuk to your group uh, to go along with, uh, you know, with, with Huberto and Uyghur. You don't want to just, uh, you know, ship parts out to bring another in. So I was, I was shocked by, by this trade. I want to go around to each of my line mates and see, you know, if they had any, any thoughts or they don't want to poke fun at the Florida Panthers, uh, compliment the flames for such a great return in a bad situation. Um, if not, uh, you know, what has been their favorite move so far in the NHL offseason? So Lauren, I'd love to start with you. So when I first saw the Kachuk trade, I mean, it was only just Kachuk, Kachuk had been traded to Florida and I was like, Oh Jesus, like, here we go. The Atlantic division continues to just get it very much better and the Bruins just kind of stand pat and blah 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 and then I saw the return and I was like man I know both those guys are unrestricted free agents next year so maybe Florida saw this as like we're not going to be able to re-sign them but maybe we can get Kachuk in for a while and that ended up being the case and maybe they want to build more around Kachuk I feel like they don't really need to do a re they don't need to do a rebuild at all but I was just I was kind of flabbergasted because I was like, no way would they give up Huberto. Joke's on me. Like, good thing I don't tweet everything that I think because I would just be getting dragged on Twitter right now. But 
it was um it was very interesting because while it certainly does make the Panthers better and the Flames now they get better and maybe save their top line there um it just seemed like a weird weird move and like you said Kuchuk is the best player in this trade there's no denying that and he I think he is a good fit for the Panthers I just no wonder why he wasn't getting traded so quickly because the return you look at other teams like you look at comparisons for other teams I wouldn't want to give up someone of, of Huberto and draft picks and this and that for a, a good player yes but I just feel like I mean I'm not a GM at the so I can sit here and say I feel like it could have gotten done for less um it's just if this trade will probably live rent free in my head for years and years to come because it just I I loved it at first and then I saw the return and I was like, well, that's interesting. And I feel like the Twitter timeline was the same way because I told you guys in a group chat, the whole timeline literally was, this is great. And also like, why would Florida do this? So very torn. And I, it was just a very, very interesting move. But as for the, my favorite move this off season, I think it's Nazim Kadri just living his best life and not having a team right now. And maybe he's, sitting out there weighing all his options. Maybe he's waiting for the Bruins to sign Bergeron and Krejci and just come here. Who knows? But that'd be a pipe dream. But I think him just kind of not signing with the team for whatever reason, enjoying Stanley Cup championship life, I think that is by far my favorite move right now. Yeah. Uh, like, like I said, uh, if Nazem is listening, and he probably listens to this award-winning podcast, I would just love to remind him, you are a free agent. Uh I don't know what Joe Sackick has done to convince you that, uh, that, that you're not, uh, you can't, if you show up to, to, uh, the facility in September, it's going to be like that famous, uh, jets video from hard knocks where guys like scanning in his past, try and get in. Oh, he's locked out. He's locked out. Like, dude, you don't work there anymore. So, uh, let's see, uh, you know, hopefully, um, you know, that those, uh, all those pitches are done and, uh, and he can decide where he wants to play, but, uh, yeah, I very much enjoyed dunking on the, the Panthers for, for, for making this trade. I just, again, they have a great core in place, but Huberto was just such a huge part of that. It just feels like you just swapped out parts and you got younger, but I don't think you got any better. Um, so we'll have to see what happens for them. Mike, uh, any thoughts on, again, this uh, very surprising deal Friday night and just, you know, what was been uh, your favorite move that's happened so far in the NHL's off season. So good for Calgary, man. Like, Finding out that you're going to lose Johnny Gaudreau, who obviously we knew that was going to happen, and he goes and signs a surprising contract. Then young Matthew Tuchuk's like, yeah, I'm moving on to – that team could have died. Like, it could have just completely folded in this offseason. And they got back – I mean, like you said, Mark, on paper, the same production that they're losing into Chuck. They got a really good defensive defenseman in um, McKenzie, and they got a first-round pick out of it. So I think that for a team that like, we, we've talked about it a few times with Jack Eichel and some other things, like they knew they had to move him. So they didn't have the leverage in this situation. And they really did go and get the absolute best that they could have in this situation because they got a haul. And I'm frustrated with my Florida Panthers here a little bit because they have, um, you know, they'll have Matthew Tuchuk, who is the best player in the trade, 100 point guy, what is he, 24, 25 years old? under contract for another, you know, they signed him to an extension. So he's under contract for another six or seven years. You know, that's, that's good. But on paper, 
year one, you, you it's a wash as far as offensive production goes. So this is a team that scored the most points in the league last year. They were lighting it up. And I said on this podcast many times, what does this team need? They need strength on the blue line. They need to stop pucks from going in the net. And they gave up one of their best defensive defensemen, a little bit older than Tuchuk, but I think he's 26 or 27. And he's a strong defensive defenseman guy. He was what they needed more of, not less of. And they just sent that away. Plus they gave up a draft pick. I don't think this team got better despite getting the best player in the trade. Uh, so I'm disappointed. My winners or my favorite moves. I liked the, uh, I liked Columbus coming out of nowhere with the Gaudreau signing. And I also like the implosion of the Chicago Blackhawks because as we've talked about on this podcast a little bit, uh, we're still very, very upset at the Chicago Blackhawks. And I think that they've had a pretty bad off season, uh, just sort of punting their entire core. So yeah, fuck you too. Yeah. Very, very well said, Mike. And, and the case with, with the Kachuk trade as well is, like you mentioned, there's not always a ton of leverage when a players are restricted free agent, you, you kind of do have a little bit of leverage. Cause again, like if, if a team were to just sign uh, that player to an offer sheet at the very least a uh, player of Kachuk's caliber, you got to give up two firsts and two seconds. And I think a third as well. So you got to give up a, a ton of draft picks. So you do have the ability to say, okay, you want this guy, you have to you know give us something that's comparable. So yeah, usually what you're getting, if you're Calgary, you're getting lottery tickets. And, you know, draft picks are great, you know, multiple first, multiple second, that's great. But, you know, the draft is an inexact science. And so you're not getting anything proven back for a superstar player. So for them to, for Calgary to uh, go and get a, uh, a, an actual all-star, you know, multiple uh, exceptional players, in addition to another first round pick in return and a prospect like, hey, that's a great return. And it actually ended up being, uh, ideally, uh, incidentally enough, the first official sign and trade deal in NHL history, uh, because uh, if you are, uh, you know, an incumbent team, if you're Calgary, you can re-sign Matthew Kachuk to eight years. That's your, uh, your benefit as being the incumbent. Uh, a, an outside team can only sign a, a free agent for as many as seven years. So uh, because Kachuk signed an eight-year deal, people have said, well, how come they could do that? Like, was, is there a rule change? No. As it turns out, uh, he did sign an eight-year deal with Calgary, uh, who then traded him in exchange for that package. So uh, first ever NHL sign and trade deal. I hope we see more of those, um, but yeah, gr- good for Calgary um, for, uh, uh, you know, for pulling that off because uh, you know, it, that has the, 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 the ability that return has the ability for you to continue to, uh, to be a, a productive team. And, you know, you're still reeling a little bit for the, from the loss of Goudreau, but you still have a very good core there. So we'll have to see what, uh, what happens for them. Hales, uh, again, you've, as you've pointed out, uh, you are uh, someone who does not exactly follow uh, you know, trades and signings, but just based on what we've described with the Kachuk situation, I mean, how hilarious of an overpay is this? And, uh, and you know, who do you think got the better end of the deal? I mean, look, I don't pay attention to this stuff because, like, it, I don't. I don't really deal with like the analytics into, you know, who got the better deal and stuff like that. That's not something I'm super knowledgeable on. And also it's not my team. Although, as you just heard, I didn't really follow the flyers so much this off season either, because they just are so disappointing. But I mean, it is hilarious to see, like, you're not really getting anything out of it. Like, isn't the point in off season to be a better team 
when the season starts. But if you're going to be the same team, then you're not going to really go very far, right? You're going to do the same that you did. Production doesn't change. So it's, it's funny when it's not your team, right? Like it's funny when you don't have to be like, oh my God, now we're going to suck again. So it's probably not funny to their fans, but to everybody else, we can kind of see the humor in it. Uh, and I would have to say they probably didn't get the better end of this deal just because they're, they're not going to be any better. And the ultimate goal is to win the cup. So if you're not making moves to win the cup, then what are you really doing? <clears throat> Players. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this is a good, uh, a good session for, for Haley because we just finished dumping all over her flyers. So at least she gets to, uh, it's a little therapeutic to be able to say, Hey, this team also did a really shitty job at, <laughs> at uh, uh, rebuilding their roster. So yeah, I think the consensus here is yeah. Great for Calgary. Uh, again, you now have to sign Uyghur and Huberdeau, but you know, the, the theory that Panthers fans wanted to float out there right away that, Oh, well, you know, they're probably not going to be able to sign these guys. So uh, you know, it's just a, a one year stopgap for them. Again, Uyghur uh, and, uh, and, specifically Huberto gave no indication that they were unwilling to resign in Florida. So it's very possible that, uh, you know, if the flames provide them a competitive offer that they'll be willing to resign. And then it really is a slam dunk of a deal. So let's see what happens. As for myself, my favorite moves, both in a positive and negative fashion, uh, I'm going to group this entire team in, in my, uh, my favorite moves. And that is my senators. Okay. I was a very early adopter of the Ottawa Senators on this podcast, it blew up on my in my face a little bit um, during the uh, uh, the COVID affected realigned division season. Uh, the uh, the Sens had a back to back you know seasons where they were subpar, missed the playoffs. They have done a lot. Uh, headline by uh, by you know trading away Matt Murray, who coincidentally went to my team that is the uh, the move that I like the least this offseason. Um, but they you know they they signed Claude Giroux. Uh, they add all this offensive firepower. They get Alex Debrinket on draft night. This uh, this has been a really really strong off season for Ottawa. Now they are still hurting on the blue line. They definitely need to improve there because at the end of the day, you got to stop pucks. Uh, you know you can't w- uh, win games six to five every night. But as of right now, they have definitely improved their firepower, and they're looking like they could be a playoff team. So shout out to my Senators for uh, for making maybe three years later, they're going to make me look good and deliver on some promises that I made. Um, but the, the move that I, I loved the least uh, and loved for Ottawa coincidentally is they got someone to take on Matt Murray uh, from them. Matt Murray, who's had back-to-back awful seasons uh, after a lackluster end to his Penguins career. And if you're Toronto, why was this your move? Okay. Because they had success with Jack Campbell. Uh, you know, he, he, is a bit of a, a journeyman goaltender, but he had found success there, and he winds up, uh, you know, getting a deal um, that was not too outrageous uh, over in Edmonton. And instead, you you trade for Matt Murray, who literally has not been good since 2018. He has been a subpar goalie. I don't care what kind of defense you put in front of him. He has had uh, you know sub 900 save percentage seasons. He's been very bad. So. I think this is an awful, awful deal for the Leafs. They did not have to overpay, but in terms of what they got back, like, my God, dude, like you, you got nothing. Uh, and goalie is always going to be a problem for the Leafs come playoff time. And I'm already envisioning Matt Murray giving up a big goal in a big playoff game, hopefully against the Bruins, uh, to, uh, to potentially lose them a series. So those are, I stayed in Canada for my 
uh, favorite moves of uh, the off season. But that's going to do it for uh, today's episode. Before we wrap things up, I did want to go around to each of my line mates to see if they had any final thoughts and empty netter for us. So Lauren, I'd love to start with you first. Even though there was no Bruins news dump during our episode today, um, I'm watching the David Ortiz Hall of Fame induction. And even though he hasn't come up yet, it's just really cool. I love the Hall of Fame induction. I think it's a lot of fun to watch these players relive like some of the best memories. Sometimes they get roasted and it's more than just being like, oh, here's your plaque. So I'm just, I'm having a lot of fun. And it's much more fun than watching the Red Sox right now. And I feel like every Hall of Fame induction should be how MLB does it. And for as much flack as professional sports and get for a number of things, I do think MLB does a wonderful job with the Hall of Fame. And this is how every Hall of Fame induction should be done from here on out. So when Bergeron ultimately makes the NHL Hall of Fame, this is what they need to do. Yeah, uh, I, I also have the David Ortiz induction um, in Cooperstown on in the background and big day for Big Poppy. And like Lauren said, much more entertaining than watching the current Red Sox who have surrendered approximately 5 million runs over the last week. Um, and specifically Friday night, while we were laughing at the Flames and, uh, and Panthers trade, uh, it was a good distraction from the Red Sox giving up nearly 30 runs in a major league game. Unreal. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, boy. Mike, how about yourself? Any empty netter, any closing thoughts for us in this episode? Yeah, and the, I'll just start. Yeah, the Red Sox are absolutely unwatchable right now. It's horrible. I messed up. I, I was too ready to jump on the um, Chicago Blackhawks that I didn't fully think out my answer for my favorite offseason so far. And I have been derelict in my duty as Stevie Wise's biggest promoter because what an offseason he's put together so far over the last few years since he took over in Detroit. They've done an amazing job of getting young talent through the draft, sort of selling off some pieces to, to rebuild. And this offseason, he he shifted it into high gear. Let's accelerate this timeline. Um, they signed David Perron, Andrew Kopp, Kubalik, Sharat, Mata, and then they also got um, they got an, they got the better goalie out of the blues. They got um Huso, which who you know will hang out there with um Nadelchev, Nadelkovic and really strengthen the um, strengthen the defense between, you know, the upgrades at the blue line and also now having an, another solid young goaltender. Um, this might be a season for my, for my Red Wings. They might, they might make a nice push. Uh, and I'm, I love seeing it because I feel like almost every move that Stevie Y does, I'm like, yep, that makes sense. That was, that was right on point. So love that guy. Yeah. Stevie Y is operating in stealth mode and, it's always tough, uh, you know, player like David Perron, who's meant so much to St. Louis for him to come out and say, Hey, they actually never offered me a contract to return. That's, that's always got to sting a little bit. Like you, you've been here for so long, even if you're going to part ways to, you know, have it, the, the parting be on better terms and say, Hey, you know, we're deciding to move on. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. Don't be surprised when you don't hear from us uh, as free agency starts, you know, maybe do a little bit better there um, St. Louis, but yeah, good, good pickup, good veteran ad for, um, for Detroit. Hales, how about yourself? Any empty net or any closing thoughts for us for this episode? I'm just going to say, as I get ready to go to the pool to lounge around and hopefully 
get a bit of a tan that I hope the Bruins drop some good news for you guys. My castmates here, just praying for some good news for y'all. And since Boston's my second team, you know, kind of hoping to hear some things as well. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Bruins, listen to Haley. Uh, we're, we're just dying to see pen hit paper on the Krejci and Bergeron contracts. I can only take so many cryptic tweets from John Butchigross with like the winky uh, emoji or, or, or some sort of gif. And, uh, oh, I've got my sale going on until uh, the, those deals are final. Like, Butchie, I'm not going to buy one of your shirts because uh, I should have gotten a free one by now. I've won the OT challenge so many times. You never pick me. I'm mad at you. Uh, but back on track. Yeah, Bruins, get that deal done. For my empty netter, I actually want to stay with the Bruins. Uh, yesterday, the, the team agreed to a two-year contract with uh, restricted free agent uh, center Jack Studnika. I have been very high on Jack Studnika for a while. I have been very upset that the Bruins have not really given him a fair shake. Uh, every time they've brought him up, they try to throw him uh, you know, at wing. He is a center. Some players can move positions and, and be productive. Others can't. He can't do that, at least not this stage of his career. He's, he's not a winger. He's a center. And, you know, you call him up on an emergency basis, you have him center, uh, you know, uh, for a game and then send him back down to Providence, you're not going to glean much from that experience. So last summer, there was a whole story that Jack Stanika had bulked up um, and, uh, and, you know, he was primed for a good season. And then the, the, the team goes and, and they add, uh, you know, veteran centers in free agency that basically uh, deprive him of a spot, even when he had an impressive camp. So good for the, uh, the Bruins for getting, uh, uh, Jack Stanika signed for the two years. Now, please, and no offense to this player, please move Thomas Nosek um, in, in a trade. Uh, you can clear that, uh, you know, about a million in cap space and have the fourth line centered by a promising young player. Uh, you drafted him in the second round. Is the your projected ceiling for him second uh, or fourth line center? No. But for now, he needs to just be a center at the NHL level consistently. See what you have there. So uh, if, if you're listening, Bruins, after uh, you make those signs official. Also move Tomas Nosek. Um, and uh, let's get Stud Muffin the opportunity that he needs at the NHL level. So that is going to do it for this episode. I do want to go around to each of my line mates and have them share with us uh, where they can be found online. We'll start with Lauren. And in her case, uh, you can hear uh, where she is giving the eulogy for the Boston Red Sox on a, a, a daily basis. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at La 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 Lauren, the Laws Lauren with four R's. You can hear me hosting the Ness and Bruins pod. Um, obviously, we're on hiatus right now until the season starts, but we'll be ramping up stuff uh, very soon as training camp and rookie development camp and everything like that is en route and underway and exciting time in hockey. And you can also begrudgingly hear me hosting the Lockdown Red Sox podcast Monday to Friday. We had such a fun June that we had so much fun that we never want to do it again, apparently, because the Red Sox are just really bad. Um, so you can hear me hosting that. And I think, oh, and duh, find all my written work on Nesson.com, my full-time job that pays my bills. Um, find all that there. A ton of David Ortiz stuff, a lot of Bruin stuff in the works as the season is approaching and everything in between. So head on over there and find all of my written work there. A big, uh, big weekend coming up soon for Lauren as well. So we're eagerly anticipating that as well. So go support all of her work uh, in the meantime. Mike, where can all of our listeners find you online, sir? If I could unmute, uh, you can find me on social media at Mike Roderick SD. Um, absolutely gushing over all of the announcements from 
Comic-Con this weekend, uh, the MCU kicking into phase five, and then even some announcements for phase six. So that's where I can be found. Yeah, Kevin Feige really brought it last night. He gave us, uh, I was like a kid in a candy store. Uh, We got some announcements that I was not expecting last night or was kind of hoping for, but uh, wasn't expecting. Uh, I will be doing a piece for for thefansmedia.com on uh, my most eagerly anticipated projects that came out of Hall H last night at Comic-Con. So um, Mike shares that excitement with me and follow him on social and uh, he'll be talking about it. Hales, about yourself, where can all of our listeners find you online? You can find me at CSI Haley on Twitter and Instagram at CSI Haley 91 on TikTok. You can follow and catch up on some old shows from two shows that I co-host, one being Gridiron Girls at Girls Gridiron on Twitter, Gridiron Girls Pod on Instagram, and at Fierce and Flawed on Twitter, Fierce and Flawed Pod on Instagram. Make sure you're following at For the Fans Media on all your socials and are subscribed to ForTheFansMedia.com so you can get all of our articles and shows you can subscribe to it all but uh if you haven't i don't know probably don't follow my mom on social media but she did put today that she's doing another fully baked episode soon so hopefully you're following along on fully baked from for the fansmedia.com and if you are then you will be excited about this new um video coming out soon Another fully baked on the way. Desserts are coming back. Very exciting stuff. As for myself, I can be found on Twitter at Mark Pacelli13. That is P-I-S-E-L-L-I. As I mentioned, I've been, I, I was like live tweeting uh, Comic-Con last night uh, to the point where I, I hoped I wasn't like pissing people off. Um, but you know what? If I was, it's my timeline and, you know, kick rocks. Uh, so um be on the lookout for, like I said, a piece on ForTheFansMedia.com on uh, my most anticipated projects um, from uh, Marvel Studios coming up. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all so much, as always, for listening. Tune in next week and warn all your uh, your hockey fan friends. Uh, our season finale is going to be fun. It's going to be special. So tune in next week for that. And until the next time we all got together, enjoy the action on the ice, everybody. 